Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, welcome to another week of our show, Med Family. I'm Eric Acker, your host, and with Karen. Karen, thank you. So we are happy to come again for another weekly update as we transition between rotations. And so today uh, I came back from my rotation in pediatrics, which we'll get a little more into. But I had to stop at Walmart to get our grocery order because that's what I do now at the end of my day. Not (laughs) at least once a week. And it dawned on me, Karen is preparing for the Halloween season because uh, she got two giant bags of candy. I'm, I, I'm, I'm assuming. Calculated. I'm assuming <laughs> this is for Halloween. This is for Halloween. Okay. It's I, not I grossly good. miscalculated. No, I was thinking. I was, sack. <laughs> no, we're trying to lose weight, not gain it. That's um, a eight, eight and no victory streak is looking pretty good so far. And yet, neither one of us have lost weight. We weren't going to mention that. <laughs> But yes, he came. He he brought the Halloween candy in and was commenting on the sheer amount that I had gotten. But she she did good. She only um, she got good candies mostly. No milk duds. No almond joys. No hot tamales. Mostly there, just there like are, Snickers. There are milk duds. He didn't look. Oh no! Why? Okay, so why? Why milk duds? Well, because I didn't want to pick a bag, a variety bag with almond joys. Yeah, almond joys are the worst. <laughs> They're the worst. And our kids don't have any, well, so I tried to pick bags with candy that we would eat if there was any leftover. Assuming that we will or will not have trick-or-treaters. Yeah, we're, we're not really sure, so. This is our first Halloween in the area, so. Well, this is our first Halloween really doing anything with the kids. Because when we were in Washington, we both worked, and so by the time we got home. And the kids were tiny. Yeah, by the time we got home, like. The candy that we had set out before we left was gone, or we didn't actually get that very many trick-or-treaters. So. Yeah, we were on a weird spot in the neighborhood. Like, it was the house on the corner of a busy street. Like, you'd have to walk a good distance in the neighborhood to find us. So. Yeah. So. We have a lot of excuses of why we were not a popular house. So we're trying. Well, we weren't a popular. We didn't get home until, like, because realistically speaking, I got off work at 5. It was 45 minutes to get home, and if we decided to carpool that day, then I picked Eric up from work, which he never got off on time. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I got off like precisely when I intended to. No. No. He worked too many hours. You're going to work too many hours as a doctor, too, unless you have a hard set rules. We'll see. That's I I am the lowest on the totem pole. I, I am a med student. Oh, no, I'm not talking about now. I'm talking oh, okay. in future years. <laughs> we got in a long ways to go before I can start setting boundaries. you have a schedule that you set <laughs> or a hospital that you work for or a clinic that you work for. Yeah, it's going to be a long ways to, before yeah. I can start setting boundaries and telling my bosses, oh, no, I'm not working this these hours. Like right now it's, <laughs> when do you want me there? Yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not, yeah. Anyways, I tried to pick candy that we would eat if there was leftovers, because we're not entirely certain. We are legitimately in about the center of the neighborhood. 
And it's a pretty nice neighborhood. Yeah. So I'm not sure how many kids we will get, if we will get kids. I mean, Halloween this year is actually on a weekend. It's on a Sunday, so it's still kind of a school night. That's true. I don't know. So We'll figure it out. Yeah. But Karen doesn't like that the fact I don't like hot tamales or milk duds. I don't. I, it's been a long time since I've had a milk dud, I suppose. But well, I was just surprised. I mean, it's caramel and chocolate. I mean, it's not my sure. favorite, but it's not a bad candy. Okay, so what would it be a bad candy in your book? Almond joys. Okay, um, I'm with you on that one. That's basically just payday horrible. is too many nuts. It's too hard to eat. What's it? It's literally peanuts and like caramel, right? Yeah, but it hurts your mouth when you eat it because it's too many nuts on the outside. It's too busy. I like hot tamales. Gross. Who wants to put a fire in your mouth as candy? Here, how's this? It burns. I loved them when I was pregnant. It's terrible. (laughs) That was like my mid-work day snack. so gross. What else? I don't know. Reese's is by far the best. What? You don't like candy corn? Is the reason why the, the, the traditional corn. Halloween candy Nobody has not made the list? Nobody likes candy corn. Nobody likes candy corn? You people like you, but you don't like pineapple, so you don't... Pineapple's gross. And don't, don't, don't do the whole... <laughs> well, maybe if you had a pineapple that was picked directly off the tree and cut, off, cut up in front of you on your plate, like in Hawaii, then you would like pineapple. Absolutely trash. No. It's garbage fruit. He, no, melons. Melons are garbage fruit. Like, are we honeydew. talking like honeydews? And honeydew. like, yeah, of course, like cantaloupes and honeydews are also <laughs> trash fruit. But no, 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 they're not. Also, they are trash. <laughs> no, no. Anyways, anyways, this they is don't at least point. spear you when you touch them. <laughs> you have so much to learn. He no. says all this, but he he did buy me pineapple, I, I fresh pineapple. You, you can have island. pineapple juice, and I'll buy you fresh pineapple occasionally. Like. As long as you don't make me eat it, I'm fine. Yeah, the problem with pineapple, though, is I can't eat a whole one without, like, making my mouth all raw. Because it's acidic. Okay. Anyways. Whatever excuse you got to tell yourself. <laughs> Besides, it's bad. My husband's full of opinions today. I should get him started on the, the discussion of what what animal, if any animal. Yeah, so <laughs> are, we, are we switching to... Okay. We are switching. <laughs> okay. We'll switch. <laughs> Since you are in an argumentative so we, we, mood. <laughs> we, we wrapped up our psych rotation, and I'll, I'll get to the shelf exam. I did want to reflect just a little bit on like one of my favorite moments on the psych, and it probably had almost nothing to do with psych as much as it had to do with just the people I was with. We had gone to lunch one day, and got I was able to finally get a bunch of people to talk about, like, would you rather fight a hundred rats or like a horse or something like that so we were having these conversations like it's just mono and mono you are entering the ring and this is like not this is not me that's done this like someone else has done all this work there's like even a yougov poll about which you know americans think that they can take what animal what percentage of americans think they can take a certain animal and like some of them are just insane like tigers and stuff like that but it was pretty good here having the the guys kind of have this debate on like could and one one guy asked me if I if I thought I could take a thousand rats and like of course not like a thousand rats especially like they're from New York they're definitely gonna eat me alive <laughs> he was like well what if they just lined up I'm like oh of course if they lined up and you kicked them one at a time you could probably take a thousand rats but you know like since when do rats line up to take on the trash like have you ever seen a rat a group of rats try to take on some food off a of New York subway. No, <laughs> they don't line up to do it, and they don't do it politely. Anyway. Eric likes debate. 
I love the well. It's, like, it's just a lot of fun. They're just especially this is kind of a mindless one. It's not not really important. Obviously, I'm not going to fight a bunch of rats and <laughs> I didn't go to med school to fight horses either. So it's just it's a fun little thing because it's, it's one of those uh, surveys you look at and you're just like, really? There's like 60 percent of people who think that they could take a cougar, like. No. Or like there's an obscene number of people who think they can take a gorilla, like a grown gorilla. I'm like, have you seen those things? They're like muscles on muscles. I'm like, no. No. <laughs> They're going to tear you apart. Uh, anyway, uh, the psych rotation did wrap up. I did, I did think that there was some, some changing of opinions in psych. I think I went into psych with the opinion that was definitely not something I want to do, but I'm going to try to learn as much as I can. So in that regard, I didn't really change my mind. I still don't really think I will end up in psych, but I'm more open to the idea of psych because it was interesting. Every patient had a different story. Uh, towards the end there, we, after I had even said on the podcast that every patient's different. And then like we had two days in a row where it was like nonstop ADHD patients. So yes, their stories were very different, but the interviews were very much alike. So yeah, that's not as exciting as some of the other stuff we had seen, but all in all, I think Psych was pretty interesting. Had a, a lot of opportunity to work on my patient interview skills, work on communication with patients, and then trying to figure out how to do diagnosis through just, just interviews. So those, that's kind of a cool little thing. And of course, Psych capped off with the shelf exam. So we, we did take the shelf exam last Friday. And uh, as usual, we take it, like, whatever reason, we take it in the middle of the day at 11 o'clock. And it's a two-hour uh, two and 45-minute exam. Did all the questions. And I think some of the kind of takeaways I got from it was all that work I did on making sure I did timed question sets to try to get my, my um, timing better or moving through questions faster better. That actually paid off. I think that worked out pretty well. You came out of the test. So the first test, the first shelf exam... You came out of it and like I could tell that he was anxious and that he was thinking, well, if I didn't pass, what would what would happen if I didn't pass? All that stuff. And like looking up <laughs> how how <laughs> the next rotation would go if he didn't pass and what what how, that would look what like. What would remediation look like? And this one like? he came came out and I asked him how it went and he's like, well, I don't know. But it, it was more of a ambivalence to it, not a a worry. I mean, you could there's worry with any test, but. You seemed a little bit less less worried, just more like, meh. I, I will put a caveat to that and say Sunday, because usually our, our results come in on Sunday, and they weren't in <laughs> by 12 o'clock. Like, by noon, they weren't there. And so the last medicine shelf, I got my results before 12, and so I was starting to get nervous, and I was starting to go through, like, the, you know, those, tw- you know, the stages of grief where you're just like oh no 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 denial like no i definitely didn't didn't fail and then you're like bargaining like oh no i'll do anything that they need me to do to pass and then you're like thinking about all the questions and you're like no i that question was just totally unfair and (laughs) just ridiculous things and of course you're you start i start texting some of my fellow classmates like hey did you get your scores and starting to make up these weird conspiracy theories in my head that the school waits until late in the day to contact the people who failed to let them know that they failed the exam, which from what I understand, it doesn't happen. Uh, well, there's like no correlation to that. So <laughs> all of that to say, like 
all basically it ended up being all the guys that took uh, all the people who took the psych shelf. We didn't get a, a result until like five thirty, six o'clock at night, something like that. Yeah, I think it was closer to five thirty, but but passed. Uh, <laughs> you know, passed obviously, and that that felt good. Uh, felt good to have one one in the, another one in the books. Um, <laughs> don't have to remediate or anything like that. And then uh, I did want to, I guess, touch on this. Cause I think I, I, I'm happy to say I passed and I got what our school would consider honors in psych. And psych, uh, in my opinion, was a bit of an easier shelf compared to family medicine. It was, uh, but I, I don't know. I only, I only had two. So what do I have to really compare that to, right? But I thought the subject was a little bit easier. wasn't as broad. wasn't dealing with pediatrics all the way to death uh, and OB, you know, pre- pre-pediatric psych had a lot of good things that it covered and i think a lot of things that were challenging to me like the pharmacokinetics and pharma uh, farm in general is not my strongest suit so farm did psych did challenge me in that regard but i did and i did you know employing my study strategy that i talked about before i felt like i did pretty well i'm going to probably <laughs> try to re-employ that for my future rotations which i'll kind of talk about in a little bit but i'm happy to say i got honors and I, and I know there's lots of students out there who don't want to talk about their grades and i understand like i'm only doing this because like i have a podcast and <laughs> if you just hear me talk about uh that i passed and i don't want to so i don't want to brag and say i did really really good and i don't want to say i did really really bad like obviously my sh- uh, step exam i wish i would have done a lot better and my family medicine shelf I passed. I wish I would have done a lot better. Like I did okay. I think I think what you're kind of getting at is like the, the evolution through time. Like when you start med school, you start studying a certain way, and then you adapt as you go through. And when you don't get the results that you want, you have to adjust in order to succeed. And this is kind of your progression in adjusting yeah. so that you succeed in getting what you want well and I, and I want to kind of put out there as like medical students you're going to have some students who will throw their grades in your face as well and I, I'm, I'm not trying to throw my passes or my grades in anyone's face and say look how good I am uh, I'm better than you or anything like that I'm just putting it out there because I want people to know that someone from my background from you know, I, I like to <laughs> go through all these rotations and I'm usually paired up with somebody who has just gotten out of undergrad, maybe did one one or two years in the workforce and then gotten into medical school. And they're like easily, you know, six, seven years younger than I am. And they don't have kids. They don't have a wife or family. So I'm not trying to say like, well, I can do really good because I have a wife and a family, <laughs> despite having a wife or a family. But I do want to just say, it's possible. It's something that something someone can do if you have a wife and kids and obligations that kind of pull you different directions and sometimes makes it makes you have to manage your time better. I'm going to say it that way as opposed to because the family isn't making me do worse in medical school. It just makes me try to focus more on my time management so that when I am studying, I'm making the most out of my study time. And when I'm home with the family, I'm making the most out of my family time so i'm not trying to rub anyone's face in my score because i'm happy for my scores um but just as much as like there's students in my term who do really good and phenomenal in their in their rotations and then all their classes 
I'm gen I'm genuinely very happy for them because like I know they work hard. <laughs> I know like I know how much work goes into those exams. So them getting ahead has no bearing or no effect on me. All in all, I'm happy to share my story. I'm I'm, I'm rambling now here. Yeah, you are. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what I wanted to come back to was how I studied. What I did to study for psych was helpful. Like all of the adjustments I made from family medicine into psych and what I outlined have been good. I got good results in psych. and But going into peds is a little bit different because I actually studied peds as in-person first and then I do my three weeks last. <laughs> and so part of the benefit of the previous program has been I can get gather all that knowledge and information up front and then when I go into my in-person rotation, I've basically tried to capture as much of that that specialty or rotation in my online portion. But in person, you start off day one with a preceptor who kind of expects you to know something and not be completely dumb, <laughs> which is what I've been like for the last two days. Eric's feeling a little unprepared. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like we'll have like our preceptor will say, what's the what's the five things you need to know about jaundice? And it's like, oh my gosh, uh, I know jaundice, but like, and I know like physiological and pathological, but like, I don't know what his bullet points are. And so I'm just, I'm just drowning and I'm like miles behind and I'm paired up with another medical student from an osteopathic school and she's been with him for quite a few weeks now. I think she's finishing up this week and taking her, um, what their equivalent to shelf is. So she's like. She's on the ball, more or less. I mean, she str struggles like any other student does, but she's more or less on the ball. And I, I, I feel like I have this blank look on my face. And now, granted, we all wear a mask while we're in the hospital. So the only thing that will probably tell that I'm, I'm completely dumbfounded is my eyes are just probably wide open. Like, I have no idea what you're asking me. And then, you know, the, the dumb mistakes come next. Like, what's the, what percentage of, Babies born at 25 weeks have uh, ARDS. <laughs> it's like 30%? No, not even close. Just about all of them. <laughs> it's well, like Not 25 weeks. Yeah, it was 25 weeks is the first question he asked. Oh. Because 25 weeks, you're... Yeah. Your lungs are almost, non, almost non-existent. I yeah. mean, it's, they're developing, but they're, they need a lot more work. That baby needs to incubate for another... <laughs> yeah. 15 weeks That's or the so. reason why they try, to, they try to get the mom on bed rest and, like, delayed delivery when possible. That's basically all to say is I'm starting this rotation trying to get my online med ed videos in. Every time I get a free time, some free time, I try to watch more online med ed videos. I'm trying to basically get those in on the front end. And then I finally got access to up-to-date. So... I can research different things and I can pre-round on the patients that we're going to see and try to figure out, try to anticipate some of the questions I might be asked, try to think of questions I might have in, on the patients that we are treating. So, cause I'm obviously not, I'm not an expert on pediatrics. I know that sounds crazy coming from somebody who has four kids, but <laughs> I, I don't have a major advantage when it comes to kids. I have some advantages, but not, not major ones. Like I always would tell people, like, oh, well, you must be really good at the milestones. And it's like, well, our kids hardly hit the milestones. Like, <laughs> well, milestones are gener generalities, right? Yeah. <laughs> our kids are, are great on the physical. <laughs> 
verbal. Well, Nora, Nora doesn't, she's never quiet. But the boys, n not so much with the verbal. But yeah, the boys are a little bit behind on their language skills, but they're great on their their fine motor skills, their coarse motor skills. Anything to do with moving, they are great at, and they do <laughs> they do it way ahead of the benchmark. So I have to learn like the the general standard. You know, by two years old, they should be able to say two words together, stack six blocks on top of each other, or whatever. Uh, so I, I need to know all that stuff. <laughs> But I can't really draw on my own personal experience because our kids haven't been model children when it comes to that sort of thing. So, I mean, that's just how it is. So I'm, I'm adapting my study schedule to try to kind of push a whole lot of content in my online, uh, my in-person portion. So when I get to my online portion, I'm not going to have as much video time. I'll probably just do a whole lot of questions. So. Well, but you're not pairing the videos with notes, are you? Or are you? I am. I'm trying to take notes at the same oh, okay. time because I gotta try to keep. Because he's gonna ask me questions and. Yeah. Well, and I think. <laughs> I I know that, like, he's not supposed to be. So he's you start off in the NICU at about like eight forty-five in the morning. Something like I I usually try to get there early to do pre-rounding, but the doctor kind of rolls in around nine nine thirty. Yeah. So, I'm thinking <laughs> i mean <laughs> we've been talking about this for the last what monday tuesday yesterday and today so um i don't know i'm thinking we're gonna try and we'll either use our time that is ours at night and eric will do videos at night or maybe we will be getting up a little bit earlier and encouraging you to do the videos then i mean our kids are up anyways so you might well, as well be up and the way his clinic is structured is actually pretty it's pretty good because, like like Karen said, we do we do go to the NICU or nursery in the morning, and then we might go to the pediatric floor, and then we also sometimes follow up in the postnatal area because you know, not every baby goes to the nursery, and then sometimes he'll have the the our preceptor will have a break and he won't go to clinic until like two o'clock, and so he just says read up on something, study, study this, study this, here's four things you need to look at, and then I'll see you at two. So that gives me, you know, obviously a few hours to look up stuff and then head over to clinic and try to keep up on clinic. So I, I, I do get time, and then starting at eight, you know, <laughs> starting really at nine o'clock in the morning, it's a pretty late start, all things considered. So I can feasibly get more studying done in the morning, which is you know, totally possible. I just need to really knuckle down and do that. So I, I'll have definitely opportunities to, I, I, I know I'm, I'm trying to avoid like my evenings where I'm just exhausted from the, from the clinic and all the entire day coming home just when the kids are either going to bed or just gotten put to bed and just being like, I'm exhausted. I don't want to do anything. I just want to sit watch TV, maybe go through a few flashcards or my Anki deck and then call it a night kind of thing. Uh, and I also like watching Castle, so... We we, we, we resurrected a, a TV show, which I know, medical students, we shouldn't be indulging in binge-watching or anything like that, but it's at least an interesting TV show. Well, I think it's good for you to have some sort of release after a long day. I mean, just talking about what you've done within the last couple of days... 
you seem like you watched a, a baby with getting a lumbar puncture, right? Oh, that was this morning, yeah. Yeah, and you dealt with a lot of, what, ADD, ADHD? I mean, you, you do a lot during the day, so it makes sense that you have to have some sort of decompression at night to just kind of let the day go and to kind of let it solidify. So I don't think it's that bad to have... A TV release or, yeah. or whatnot. Everybody does it, right? Yeah. You go to the gym, you watch TV, something. Well, you have had a lot of ADHD patients come in, and that was kind of a leap off of uh, psych because we had a lot of ADHD patients in psych as well. So it's nice to have the correlation there. I'm not. I don't want to make this a ADHD isn't a real diagnosis conversation, but. I will say, like, one of the things I, I, I will take note of is how many kids I've we've seen in clinic that have their mom's phone or their parent's phone or iPad, how many of them have broken multiple iPads and, like, continuously are given, like, technology and whatnot. And, and these aren't, like, like, old kids, like, high schoolers or whatever. These are, like, kids who are, like, four years old. Like three years old, these kids are like tiny and they have like complete control over mom's phone. And that's it, really concerning to me because I know it's something that our pediatrician always stressed to us was limit screen time, <laughs> like really limit screen time. Well, and I think it's, I think it's a hard thing. Like and we struggle with limiting we, screen time. We struggle with limiting screen time. I mean, there is something to be said for like, we have people coming over. I want the house to not be a disaster. All right, well, I'm going to turn a show on so that I can speed clean the house and not kids. have somebody falling behind me and dumping out everything that I just put away. Like, there is something to be said for that, Mom. Like, I get it. But at the same time, so one of our friends here is going to move into a different house because their lease is up. And we were looking at the pictures of the house, and, like, Eric and I's conversation was, wow, there's a TV in that room and that room. And that room, there was a TV in yeah, every so this was bedroom like on the and listing like the at, family room. Yeah, where like, <laughs> it's just like, like, my goodness. Literally any room that you walked into, and this is again the listing. Our friends aren't, you know, they're not inheriting a room with, you know, every, every house with every room with a TV. But like, obviously in, the, in the, the, the previous online, tenant, yeah. the previous owners cared very much about being able to watch TV in whatever room they were in. Yeah. And that was strange to me. Like I, I grew up, my family, maybe this is gonna make me sound really old, but you know we had like the old color TV, but there's a big tube one, and had the bunny ears on top, and we had the di- walk over and turn the knob and change the channels, but and we never had cable like ever when I was growing up, so uh, Cartoon Network was a no go, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we 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 always had a TV in like the family room, like it was always like. TV's on, anyone should be able to watch it sort of thing, and you can come together as a family and watch TV as a, a fun activity. But, like, when you start, like, taking that TV and bringing it into the bedroom and it becomes, like, a personal, every kid can go in their own bedroom and watch whatever show they want to watch and no one does it as a family anymore. I mean, there's something to be said about family bonding and whatnot, but there's also something to be said about is that really healthy for tiny humans to be so strapped to a device that does nothing but entertain them. And I don't know. I, it's just kind of an observation I saw. 
I'm not trying to pass judgment on any parent who, like, maybe they have, like, three kids and they're like, I just need one of them to not be throwing a fit. <laughs> so I give them my phone. It's, you know, it's not a big deal. And as, you know, physicians, the other side of that coin is, like, we see you for, like, 15, 20 minutes. So, like, our snapshot of your entire life is in that 15, 20 minutes. So maybe I need to take a few steps back and go, like, well, that might not be your life. Like that, that 15 minutes you have your, you've given your kid your phone is maybe not what's normal for home. Right. And so I don't want to paint a picture of you in my mind of like, this is some parent whose kids always have the phone. So, but we, as Karen kind of mentioned, we got an opportunity in just the last two days of being on this rotation to see quite a few patients. Uh, I mean, from the nursery, having, doing an LP on a patient, uh, lumbar puncture for those who may not know. And then just today we had a patient who was like, I, I was pre-rounding, which is basically to say I was on the computer looking up our patients for the day and trying to get a better idea of what was going on. And then as I was doing that, they brought up a, a, a newborn infant who was born 20 minutes prior via C-section. <laughs> so that was going to be our doctor, our preceptor's patient. As soon as he came in at, you know, nine, 9.30 ish or whatever, you know, whenever he came in, I can't remember. But, like, and this is like the NICU nursery. I, I you know, I, I know it's kind of called NICU, but it it's hard to tell, like, if it's like a full blown NICU or not. But, yeah. It was, I, I don't know, because I haven't been to this hospital, but like our hospital in Washington, the NICU was, so you had, well, the hospital that we delivered all four of our babies at had a whole birthing ward, which was basically birthing center, which was completely separate building from the main hospital, but it was attached to the neonatal NICU. Right. And the highly rated, it was the highest rated in the area. So that's why we chose that hospital. Cause if we had any issues and the other reason why we chose that hospital is you gave birth and you had your recovery all in the same room the first time you went to the restroom post birth, they had the house cleaning come in and clean the whole room while you were. It was a whole operation. It was. Yeah. It, I mean, it was pretty. It was pretty nice. So, but that NICU, because we, we we did tour it with our first, and that NICU had a nursery where they had all the babies, but they also had like separate little. It was a lot smaller than like a birthing room or whatnot, but. If you had a parent there, you could have like your whole like this little alcove, like little different yeah, little pods pod, or whatever pod for the baby, you know, the heating pods and whatnot, and, and then like a a family a area where you area could, for the family yeah. could sit. And... Yeah, so um, I'm not sure what what this well, NICU looks I think, like. I think this one, and because of the COVID precautions, they I I, I don't think I've ever seen a parent in this nursery. So I, I I think that's probably because of the COVID precautions. And Wait, they'll the, bring the baby to you? I don't know about that either. Uh, <laughs> like a lot of these kids are, you know, they're just kind of chilling out in the pods. And, you know, they have obviously nursing staff tending to them. Of course, yesterday when I came in, they were all pretty quiet. No big deal. Today when I came in, they were all screaming. <laughs> Did you pick one up? <laughs> I got this. <laughs> I, you know, I don't really know what the rules are, so I, I, I don't want to be that guy who just starts picking up kids and the nurses start giving him the side eye. Like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> <laughs> I 
we don't know you. So you've got the baby sway down. Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I tend to try to stay out of their way. Like nurses are doing a lot of work and they you, you overhear some of the conversations about, you know, Oh, we, they pulled one nurse from this floor to go to this floor and this nurse called out this nurse quit. Like they're obviously understaffed and a little overworked. So you don't want to add to their, um, you don't want to be the reason why they snap or they don't want to be the reason why they're like, my day has gotten that much worse because some stupid medical student did something like you just stay out of the way, <laughs> you know, You're it like, doesn't hurt to ask. Oh, like. <laughs> I, w- w- if I, if they look like they have a minute, I'm happy to, you know, ask questions, but I'm there to pre round. I'm there to get my information and stay out of their way. Um, but you, you being there sometimes just listening to them having conversations you can kind of learn a little bit about how the hospital is going but either case so we had, we saw a few good interesting cases the kid that had came up from the from the c-section uh, that was an interesting one because it was a uh, they call it trans uh, transient tachypenic uh t- sorry transient tachypenia of a neonate uh, of a newborn uh, and essentially it's it's kind of like and I apologize for any of the medical people out there who are going to scream at me for saying this but it's like a very very mild version of ARDS or acute respiratory distress uh, in that in that it's like a lack of surfactant uh, typically it's you know, mothers with c-sections have a higher risk for it Diet mothers who have diabetes are at higher risk for having a baby that has this. So these are, it's more common than ARDS. It's similar to it, but it's not. It's more common. Um, so and especially also in premature. I mean, just about any any issue with babies is more common in premature babies. It's one of those common things I keep seeing whenever I look up online med ed or not online med ed, but up to date. And it's like. Risk factors, prematurity. Yeah, that makes sense. Everything. <laughs> prematurity is a risk factor for a lot you of things. You haven't fully developed, so <laughs> there's going to be risk factors. Yeah, so that. like, it, then this one I'm going to maybe get in a little of the weeds of physiology, but like for this condition, there's a little bit of a decrease in surfactant. It causes some fluid buildup. That fluid can cause, um, it can cause like the collapse of the bronchioles. Uh, the baby can respond to some of that by breathing faster because of the the, the harder to open up some of those alveolas. Uh, um, the collapse of the bronchioles can cause air trapping, and that can cause because the if you have certain parts of your lung that aren't getting airflow, yeah, it means there's less CO two that can diffuse out and be exhaled. And so you can have hypercapnemia, uh, 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 hypoxia, uh, hypoxemia, hypercapnemia, and so it can be it can be a bad buildup of symptoms. Usually, those this, this kind of goes away, and this it, it, baby generally recovers without a whole lot of extra intervention. You just have to kind of keep an eye on things. So this isn't like a life or death thing. Like ARDS is like a serious, <laughs> very serious thing. Uh, one of the things that was again, interesting, they, they had brought up a mobile x-ray machine. So we had seen the patient, and then we went and did some other rounds, and we came back, and like, oh, yeah, the x-ray was just done. And so we got to see a few things that were good telltale signs of the difference between TTN versus ARDS. 
So that was kind of cool. The preceptor did say, like, you know, it's a good chance that a radiologist is probably going to look at this and just say ARDS because it has that kind of ground glass appearance on the x-ray. But there's a few things that led him to think that it was more likely TTN. So, <laughs> so you just see a lot of kind of really interesting things. And then you see uh, things you almost never see. Like we saw anencephaly. And I apologize if I'm just butchering the spelling, but it's basically like a maldevelopment of a part of the brain. The brain gets kind of exposed during development. So we saw a kid that had that. And what I really kind of wanted to focus on, because, you know, in pediatrics is, of course, always about the kid. But what I wanted to really, what kind of stood up to me during the appointment was the parents. Because this was a kid that had seizures. I mean, had obviously had a brain neurological issue, constantly having seizures. This wasn't your normal infant. Like, this kid wasn't crawling. This kid wasn't moving around. This kid wasn't, you know, like 10 months, you would expect certain milestones. This kid is probably not going to hit those milestones. But what kind of stood out to me is how much the parents were really involved. And I don't know, I feel like sometimes you're given a diagnosis like that. And you can become like this incredibly fearful person. You can become this person who never wants to leave the house. You can become a resentful person. I mean, you could you can become mean. I mean, you you have you have all these choices. You have all, of course all these choices when you are presented with a hardship. But these parents were like these parents were great. Like, I mean, <laughs> down to like. You can choose to mourn or become an advocate. Yeah, for well, your child. But right? these parents were great. Like the dad was there, and the doctor would ask like, "Oh, how much oxygen is the baby on?" And then he was like, "Oh, it's half a liter." Like he knew he always knew exactly what medications they were on how much the medications they were taking when they were taking the medications and and the mom was there too and she was also involved and so it's just like yeah you could you couldn't you could see and not blame them if they were depressed if they had you know just the world was weighing them down because they had a child who had a severe disability I mean, they they are literally looking at mortality probably every day with their child because this condition, you know, I don't know what the prognosis is. I would have to spend more time looking at the chart to kind of know. But this this kid has seen like so many specialists and on so many drugs that, you know, like I, I think you would maybe expect your grandmother to be on this many drugs kind of thing. And these parents are happy. They're joking around with each other. They're. They, they're very involved in their kid's life and they, 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 give, they give off no signs of being like severely depressed. So I don't know, that was something I kind of, I saw and I was like, that's kind of neat. You have a choice, obviously, as a parent when you're faced with... I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. We, we have known several people, like when Eric was talking about going at, being able to watch a lumbar puncture today, I, it made me think of one of my good friends back in Washington and they ended up at Randall's, right? Was it Randall's or John Becker's? Randall's. Randall's. They went to They ended up at Randall's because their newborn got uh, the seizure, stopped breathing. Yeah, meningitis. Yeah. Meningitis. And And group B strep. Yep. So they had gone to the local hospital in Washington and several doctors had tried to do the lumbar puncture and were not 
able to success, successfully do it, so they transferred them over to Randall's, which terrifying. is a children's hospital, right? <laughs> <laughs> so they ended up at Randall's for quite a while, but yeah, it's a long, it's a long ordeal. It was interesting when we visited, just looking at like because this hospital, uh, Randall's and Dornbecker's both, like the patients that are there are there for significant. They don't diseases. just have they don't have colds. They have, <laughs> they have serious problems. Serious problems, and you you go around and you watch, like the parents or the grandparents or even the kids, because like the whole hospital. I mean, the hospital itself is pretty dang amazing. If I'm gonna say so myself, you walk through and it's like oh, very you, geared toward the li- like. Literally the everything littles. is built from the like the day that they built it was built for, intended for pediatrics to use that entire floor. It's, well, it's uh, entire building. Like it's multiple <laughs> floors, and yeah. each floor is decorated differently. It's like yeah. to stimulate different things and uh, like, it, it was it's pretty amazing going there but what is even more amazing is just watching the staff and the family and all of that stuff all have that kind of like this is an awful thing that we are going through but for the most part most people were pretty dang positive yeah like and it wasn't depressing like i feel like yeah, a, a yeah. lot of times you go into these you can go into any hospital inpatient floor or nursing home and kind of get a feeling of gloom (laughs) yes gloom that's a good good way but it was it wasn't that way and so i think a lot of i don't know i isn't there a study out there that like the more support you have and the happier you are the greater chance you have of actually beating your disease i don't know about that i know that there's been some studies that if you feel like you have a good amount of uh, social support you're less likely to get like colds and stuff like that. At least if you feel like you have adequate social support, you're less likely to get certain illnesses. But those are, you know, some old studies I haven't really spent more time looking at. I don't know. I would be interested to see if outcomes differ based off of Oh, I'm sure. Attitude and support. I'm sure, but you, I'm sure that Wouldn't they do. you rather go through a tough time and with a positive attitude? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> If only it were that easy to be like, I'm going to be positive. I know. This. I mean, sometimes I it is and sometimes it's not, right? But it is it is interesting to me because we've had several friends along the way. And um, even us, like, we had a marker for downs on one of our children. And we had, I had um, a subchorionic hemorrhage with two or three. At least two of them. Of, yeah. yeah. And significant to the extent that they thought that I was miscarrying. So we, ha- we went through our own little things. It's- they, they kind of pale in comparison. They, it really you, does. Honestly. It really does. But we've had friends that have had worse diagnoses. And but I mean, this is, yeah, it's obviously not like a competition. You know, the who, who's uh, <laughs> no, who's got don't. the worst story Olympics or anything like that. No, but. but it is interesting to see like how people react and go through those tough times. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good point, and I think I don't know is. It, it was nice seeing that patient today and just seeing how much the parents really cared for their child, how involved they were, and... That they viewed it as a blessing. Well, I don't... I mean, so I didn't have that conversation with them. I, I could maybe impose that on their, you know... But the entire attitude was that, you know, they're they're here to take care of their daughter. Like, 
they didn't see their daughter as some, you know, con- they didn't see it as a medical condition. They saw the daughter as their daughter. It was nice to see, and it's one of those things. Is pedi- pedi- in pediatrics, it's again all about the kids. <laughs> it's, it's almost, you know, really no, almost no time is really spent on mom. I mean, the closest we get to it is sometimes on uh, like Your newborn first appointment. Yeah, first newborn. few appointments Just where to we're make like, sure that the mom is not suicidal. Yeah, or let's depressed. check check out this, the the uh, postpartum blues. Let's make sure you're not getting postpartum psychosis, and then. Just the basic, is there smoking in the house? Do you sleep with the baby? When the baby sleeps, you put the baby on the back. <laughs> we only made adaptations to those suggestions based off of our sanity. Because at some point, your baby does need to sleep. <laughs> and at some you point, need to you get, need to yeah, sleep. Yeah, you need to get some sleep. So there are some some adjustments that you make so that everyone is sane and everyone is alive and healthy. And so far we have four very healthy kids. So, um, that's anecdotal, but again, <laughs> listen to your doctors, do what they try to say and try to do what's best for your kid. And on that note, <laughs> on that note, yes, we're going to wrap up this week. Of course, I got two more weeks of uh, I'm finishing up my first week of pediatrics and I got two more after that. We're going to have probably Halloween, I'm going to become an, a much older person in a few yeah. weeks, too. So, Halloween, birthday, Thanksgiving's coming up right around the corner. Yeah, all, all these holidays. All these things. Yeah. So, you need to start Christmas shopping. Mm, that's your job. Uh, <laughs> I said I need to start Christmas oh, shopping. Okay, I'm good. aware it's my job. <laughs> okay, okay. It's like, I'm not good at this. Um, <laughs> he really isn't. Karen, Karen enjoys doing that more than I do. I mean, I, I don't hate giving people gifts, but... She seems to un, uh, pay more attention to when people say that they like certain things and get some special gifts, whereas if it's left to me, uh, you get a gift card uh, or a wad of cash. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but, but to be fair, Karen is better at this gift-giving thing, and she's a lot more thoughtful than than I I had the capacity to be, apparently. so You have the capacity, just you don't have the time or the effort to put into it at Thank this point. Thank you. I appreciate you trying to bail me out of that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's a, that's enough for this week. Uh, you guys can find us on Instagram at MedFamilyMD. Uh, you can leave a comment on anything that we post there. Karen is the one that looks at that stuff, and she'll let me know if there's anything that I need to be aware of. You can leave a comment there. You could rate us on iTunes. Leave a comment there as well. We'd be happy to read any comments that you have. And... Yeah, we, you can find all of our podcasts on any of your major podcast platforms. Yeah, you guys have a good rest of your week. Bye.